It's great to be here this morning because we get to share about what Christ has done in us. And as uh, Pastor Darren had shared, um, I came to Christ at the age of 18. Now, my dad was a pastor. Um, I grew up uh, hearing the gospel hundreds and thousands of times, but had never made a personal decision for Christ. And it was in, until I was 18 years old, 1st of September, 1991, that I rendered my life to Christ and, and Christ changed my life. It was there where God took me three months later to the country of Argentina, had the opportunity of uh, going to the Word of Life Bible Institute there, uh, and God placed a heart for missions in my life. I met the, the most uh, beautiful woman on earth, and she met the most gorgeous man on earth. Uh, uh, that's what she says. Um, and we got married, uh, and God uh, sent us to the country of Honduras. And it was there as a couple, a very young couple, we had one vision in mind. And that vision was to spread the gospel throughout the country of Honduras. And the Lord allowed us to begin the Word of Life Ministries in Honduras. We um, uh, just saw God uh, uh, truly just prepare a wonderful platform of ministry throughout the entire country. Uh, we uh, saw God raise up a staff of about 30 missionaries, young people that came to Christ or dedicated their lives through our ministry there, go down to the Bible school in Argentina and then come back and reach that country with the gospel. Uh, and then God allowed us to build a beautiful campsite, which is about 25 minutes away from the capital city of uh, Tegucigalpa in the country of Honduras. We saw thousands upon thousands of people come and uh, know Christ as their personal savior. Through our tenure of 12 years of ministry, uh, we believe we preached to over 600,000 people. Uh, and it was just incredible to see. And it's a ministry that continues on today. So we're thankful for that. There's a national team that is serving Christ, um, just reaching people with the gospel in Honduras. But our passion was not only for the country of Honduras, it was for the world. And uh, during our camp season, uh, we would have hundreds of kids. That we just celebrated, the ministry just celebrated 25 years in the month of June. And, uh, and they told us that throughout the years of ministry, uh, with the Word of Life Ministries in Honduras, over 35,000 young people went through our camp ministry. Um, and um, our special night, which is our campfire night, is a night where we would challenge young people to give their lives to Christ and be willing to obey Him no matter the cost. And there was a phrase that I would say over and over again as we finished that special night. The Word would be preached, young people would be challenged, and then I would end up saying, I believe we can reach the world through Honduras. I would say that every, every week. And so to see God answer our prayer uh, is something special. And this morning, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Jose Iswaso, as Pastor Darren had stated earlier. Um, he's a young man that I've known since he was 14 years old. A young man that uh, God grabbed a, grab a hold of his heart and he began to obey God's will. Uh, Jose is a, a physician. Uh, he's got a master's degree in hospital management, uh, but he's also a pastor. Uh, so has his theological training uh, and now has been pastoring the church for over four, almost five years. But uh, since we uh, have known Jose, even when he was a teenager, he always had a heart for the unreached. And every time you would talk to Jose, he would say, I'm praying that God may take me anywhere around the world where the gospel needs to be preached. And so we are so excited as a family, but also uh, to see God work in such amazing ways 
And Jose's going to come up real quick because he and his family are soon going to be deployed, are going to be mobilized to the country of Morocco. So let's give him a round of applause as he comes to the Buenos días. Good morning. ¿Cómo están? How are you guys doing? El pastor David me pidió que yo compartiera un poco mi testimonio y, y me pidió que lo hiciera en el bello idioma de español. Uh, yo soy de Honduras, no nací en un hogar cristiano. Um, cuando yo tenía seis años, a mi papá le diagnosticaron cáncer terminal. Desde ese momento, tuve la oportunidad de ser expuesto a la palabra de Dios. A los 14 años, mi papá murió. Y desde ese entonces, como mi papá era como un héroe para mí, yo estaba buscando eh, algo que, que, que supliera ese espacio. Y en esa búsqueda encontré a mi Padre Celestial. A los 17 años entregué mi vida al Señor. Mi vida cambió completamente. Tenía un corazón ya por misiones. Y desde ese momento comencé a estudiar medicina para dedicarme a misiones médicas. Ya terminando mi carrera de medicina, fui confrontado porque estaba muy absorbido por la carrera. Y comencé a escuchar un sermón donde el pastor hablaba cómo Pablo tenía las marcas de Cristo en él. Y uh, uh, yo me di cuenta que yo no tenía ninguna de las marcas de Jesús. Y, y comencé a investigar qué significa. El, qué significa compartir el Evangelio en otras partes del mundo. Y me di cuenta que había mucha necesidad en el mundo. Dios me dio la oportunidad de conocer muchos países y, la, y ver la gran necesidad de Jesús. Y en ese proceso, estudié mi seminario, estudié, terminé medicina, conocí a mi esposa y a, ahora tengo dos hijos que están posiblemente gritando en, en sala cuna. Um, el año pasado, Dios me dio la oportunidad de ser parte de un grupo que fue a Marruecos. Yes, because this is an important part, so I, I need to share it in English. So uh, I understood that in the world there are three billion people that are considered unreached. Um, The term unreached means that the gospel has not been there. Uh, they have not had the opportunity to listen about Jesus. So I went to Morocco and I saw the people that had similar skin color as me, a culture that was similar to Honduras, and uh, a huge need about the gospel. In Honduras, we would consider that probably 100% of the people have listened to the gospel, and we have had the blessings to have 
churches and people that preach the gospel like like this one. Um, we are blessed to have a lot of missionaries coming to Honduras to preach the gospel, but we haven't had the opportunity to st start sending missionaries to the unreached. So I called my wife and said, Wendy, this is the place that God wants us to be. This is the place that uh, needs to listen about Jesus. So we are targeting a city that's 250,000 people uh, with the people group of the Mid-Atlas Burpers. Uh, there's no missionaries, no gospel presentations, uh, uh, no, no known Christians. And uh, if, you, if you heard, a few weeks ago, there was an earthquake in Morocco and uh, thousands of people died. And it is not that they died without Jesus, it is that they died mostly without having the opportunity to listen to the gospel and to the word of God. So there's a huge need around the world. Um, so we're going to be launched next year uh, to start preaching the gospel to, to these people. And the idea is that not only to send us as, as a family to preach the gospel there, the idea is to start thinking uh, in a bigger way, in a global way. We want to bring other people from Honduras to start preaching the gospel to the unreached and next start sending Latin Americans to the mission field. There's a huge need around the world for Jesus and, and we need to start uh, thinking about uh, Christianity in a global way. So uh, thank you for listening and uh, I'll leave it to Pastor David. Right. Yeah, let's <laughs> amen, amen. So if you can, please be praying for Jose and Wendy and their, and their two sons. Uh, they're here in the States um, uh, from August, right, beginning of August, uh, and going back to Honduras in December, they're raising their funds to be able to be uh, mobilized to Morocco. So uh, if you have any more questions, you can, you can you know, walk up to Jose today and ask him uh, more information about their ministry. So we're thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is the passage that we're, we, I wanted to share with you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity of being here. And um, of course, uh, we have this, this enormous privilege of opening God's word and listening to his voice. Remember, every time we open the Bible, we're not hearing Pastor Darren's voice or any pastor that comes behind this pulpit to speak. Uh, we're not listening to my voice. We're listening to God's voice. God speaking to us. And hopefully you came ready to listen to his voice and that together we can be challenged by this voice directly through the power of his spirit in us. Let's begin in verse 17 this morning. The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity of being here as your body, as your church. Lord, thank you for what you have done throughout these years here in this testimony at Christ Covenant Church. I thank you for the opportunity you give your people to be motivated and moved to reach those around them with the gospel of Christ. 
Allow us, O God, to be faithful to your calling for us. We ask you to speak to us this this morning. Thank you for this wonderful time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Late one night, a salesman drove into a strange city and tried to get a room in a hotel. The clerk informed him that there was no vacancy. Disappointed, he started to leave the lobby when a dignified gentleman offered to share his room with him. Gratefully, the traveler accepted his kindness. Just before retiring to sleep, the man who had shown such hospitality knelt and prayed aloud. In his petition, he referred to the stranger by name and asked the Lord to bless him. Upon awakening the next morning, he told his guest it was his habit to read the Bible and commune with God at the beginning of each day, and he asked if he would like to join him. The Holy Spirit had been speaking to the heart of this salesman, and when his host tactfully confronted him with the claims of Christ, he gladly received the Savior that day. As the two were ready to part, they exchanged business cards. The new believer was amazed as he received this card and read what the card said. The card said, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State from 1913 to 1915. You see, William Jennings Bryan was not only the Secretary of State under Woodrow Wilson, but most importantly, he was an ambassador for Christ. And this is what Paul is trying to tell us this morning. Through this passage, through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, he, God is wanting to uh, allow us to understand what is our calling as believers in Christ. And it's interesting, as Paul highlights here, what we're called to be, it, it is all because of what has happened after we have come to him. It, it says there in verse 20, it says, therefore, Paul uses this conjunction in the Greek that is used to declare a conclusion that all that was declared before was going to be highlighted through this important call. In other words, uh, what he's saying by extension is that ultimately what connects the dot to all that he is explaining before is the fact that we as believers and followers of Christ have been called to be ambassadors of Christ. The word ambassador in the Greek is a verb. It's not a noun. So being an ambassador of Christ is not a title. It's an action. And and it speaks about being an ambassador, part of an envoy. It's one who travels or, or works as a representative. That's what we are, representatives of Christ here on earth. We ought to know and we have to understand because of what Christ has done We have had the privilege and have the privilege today to be representatives of of his name and his word and his message. And that we have turned into vessels on his behalf. And this is what it's all about. You see, dear believer in Christ, the embassy of God is his church. And we as members are his ambassadors. Now, most of us like how ambassadors are treated today. They are well received. They're invited to all important events. They're they're recognized figures. But our situation today is a little different, especially in our culture today. We we are in a battle and we need to know this and, and keep making an appeal to those around us. 
This is what Paul is saying in verse 20. God making his appeal through us. Literally, what Paul is saying here, as, as we read this phrase, on behalf of, on behalf of, what he's saying is that we should serve as ambassadors. Uh, the word in the Greek is uper. It's a preposition indicating that of an activity or event in, in some entity's interest. In, in other words, it's for or in behalf of, for the sake of someone or something uh, that I speak of clearly. This, is, this should be a conviction in my life. I love the book of Hebrews and how the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 11 establishes and gives us examples of great men and women of faith. And I love verses 13 and 14 because the writer says these words, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Wow, as we read this passage, we find out that these great men and women of faith knew that they were representatives of a superpower. And that superpower represented simply one person, the person of God. And the world heard them speak of it. The world had heard them speak of who God was. The question I asked myself this morning and I ask you, does the world know this of you and of me? Could people say that your life is completely fixed on who you have been called to represent or where your homeland is? Now, an ambassador in biblical times were people of rank whose office was respected greatly. Like ambassadors today, they would communicate messages between their king and their governments. Unlike today, they did not reside in foreign capitals or, or count with an entire staff and various employees. They had no power of negotiation, nor could they make decisions for the king. These representatives would communicate what the king needed and were sent. Not like ambassadors today that are recalled during times of tension. No, no, they would, they would be sent especially during periods of strain with the goal of reestablishing peaceful relations. Jesus spoke about this in, in Luke chapter 14 when he said, What king marching to meet another king in war does not first sit down and take counsel whether he is able with 10,000 troops to cope with the one that comes against him with 20,000? If, if in fact he cannot do so, then while that one is yet far away, he sends out a body of ambassadors a delegation, and ask for terms of peace. We see that Paul's desire was to communicate and transmit the importance that as believers, we are representatives of Christ. And dear friend, this morning, as you think about your own life, as you think about your walk with Christ, are you an ambassador of Christ? Can people around you say that you are talking clearly about not only your Lord, but also... Uh, the country, or the kingdom you are part of. And as we look at this passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see that Paul's desire was to simply talk about the fact that we must understand our responsibility and us fulfilling our ambassadorial duties. Go back to the same question we asked before. Am I being faithful? Am I being clear? and fulfilling the, these ambassadorial duties. 
Now, why is this so important? Well, Paul speaks about this in this passage. He, he, he clearly establishes the fact why completing this duty or being part and fulfilling this duty is so important. We find it beginning in verse 17. First of all, what Paul is stating is, listen, being faithful, living out th- these ambassadorial duties, first of all, is the only worthy response. I love what he says in verse 17. It says, now, before Christ, we were dead. But as we came to Christ, we were made a new creation. Because we were made a new creation, our worthy response is simply being faithful representatives of Christ. Everything now has changed in Christ. What was important to me no longer is. I love when Paul says and uses the word behold. This word here in the Greek speaks about a shout, a loud announcement. The new has come. This phrase here that we find in that verse is written in the perfect tense in the Greek, which indicates that this began at a point in the past with the results continuing into the present. My devotion has changed. My behavior has changed. My destiny has changed. And I love what the Apostle Paul says in verse 18. All this was given by God. I don't know how many times during the day you stop and think how God so faithfully used somebody who fulfilled their duties as ambassadors and shared the gospel to you. As I think back of my own life, I can remember I was a lost young person. I I was ready to go to New York City to begin a, a business with my uncle, but God had other plans. I had graduated from high school. My parents, my family were living in California. I went to upstate New York, went back to the church I grew up into, and it was there where God had a person that was faithful in fulfilling his duties. I remember that day that he confronted me and said, David, your dad's a pastor. You heard this message over and over again. What's wrong with you? And then one night, he faithfully talked and spoke about the love of God like I'd never heard before. Now, I'd heard about God's love. I had heard about what God did for me. But that night, the Holy Spirit of God took a hold of my life. And I came to understand a huge burden was, was, was taken away through understanding that Christ loved me so much that he gave his life. You see, we must understand that we are called to only give this worthy response because simply of what Christ has done for us, how he has made us new. As you look at the Gospels, we find that um, every Gospel in the New Testament ends up the Gospel in in a specific way. They proclaim the the calling of the disciples in a different way. The phrase, the Great Commission, is not a phrase that we find in the New Testament. Uh, This phrase, which is a good one, but it was uh, started in the 1950s. And we still continue to use it. But every gospel, as we look at the New Testament, finishes this calling of being ambassadors in a different way. I love the way the Gospel of John finishes in chapter 21. We see that John decides to use the encounter between Peter and the Lord. We see that the Lord, after his resurrection, goes back and seeks out the disciples once again, the same disciples that had abandoned him. As you you think about that, you say, I wouldn't have gone back to the disciples. I would have probably uh, chosen and, and, and looked for other men. But Jesus loved them deeply. 
And Jesus went back and sought out these men. And we find in that chapter 21 that Jesus prepared another campfire. And there he was going to confront Peter once again. And he did. Peter was once again before another fire. Just days before he had been before another fire where three times he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But once again, the Lord's mercy towards Peter showed him that he was not done with him. And so he asked the question, Peter, do you love me? The word in the Greek is agapao. Do you agapao me? Do you love me with a divine love, with an unconditional love, with the, with the love of God? And of course, Peter, we know that answer. He answers not with that same love. He answers with, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know I love you as a brother. Jesus once again asks them with that same Greek word. And Peter could only respond, Lord, I can only love you with the phileo love. But then the third time, the Lord Ask him that same question, but instead of using that agopeo Greek word, he uses the word phileo. He says, Peter, do you at least love me as a brother? And Peter responds and he says, Lord, you know that I do. Now, many of us are quick to judge Peter, but listen, I believe what Peter was saying through his response before the Lord Jesus Christ was, Lord, I cannot love you with that divine love. It is impossible to demonstrate the love that you have demonstrated on that cross and how you have uh, not only risen again, but you've come back to stand before us and give us another opportunity. There's no way I can respond with that same love. That's why he says, you know, I love you as a brother. Now, the Lord continues to talk to him and he says, Peter, you know, you know that you're used to living a life which uh, you are uh, the one uh, with full of authority of making your own decisions and deciding where you're going to go and do. But now things are going to change because now you're going to give your life, your life for my cause. As we see the life of Paul in the book of Acts, we see a man who is full of Christ's love. And this is what truly the apostle Paul talks about in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because what motivated Paul was the love of Christ. And it says here in verse 14 in that same chapter, for the love of Christ controls us. Paul here is stating with clarity that it was the love of Christ towards him that drove him to provide the only worthy response, being driven to the specific end of representing Christ well. The word control speaks literally to hold something together, to press together, to occupy someone's attention intensely. It is also translated compels or constrains in other translations, but speaks of an urging toward a particular course of action. All because of this, Paul could conclude this, we find in this verse 14, that It speaks about exercising the mind to examine or evaluate evidence to reach a verdict. A verdict on the fact that the best response any true disciple of Christ can make is what we see declared in verse 15. Understanding that Christ died for all and rose again. He did this not for us to live for ourselves, but he did it so we may live for him. Are we living for him? I love John Stott's book, with the title, Our Guilty Silence. He explains here in this book some of the reasons why uh, we do not hold this ambassadorial duty office well. He says many times we do not share the truth of Christ. We are scared to do it because of pride. Secondly, because of fear. 
He says, because of pessimism, because of an indifference. And then John Stott sa says these words, nothing shuts the mouth and seals the lips and ties the tongue like the secret poverty of our spiritual experience. Dear friend, if we don't have a desire to, or even have a history of sharing the gospel, this is a heart issue. To the degree we truly grasp the gospel, we will share it. True love will always find a way. May the love of Christ and, and, and the love that has been placed through him in us be the, the motivation to go out and respond well to the calling that God has given us. But in this passage, not only do we find that uh, completing the, these ambassadorial duties is the only worthy response, we also find in second, in second place that uh, there, there, there is only one reason why. There is only one reason why. And Paul talks about it in verse 18 and verse 19. Uh, he uses the word reconciliation. Uh, five times we find this word reconciliation in this passage. Now, the Greek word for reconciliation talks, to, talks about uh, re reconciling one entity with another, but it means to exchange hostility for a friendly relationship. And that's what the word means. Now, this is truly the only reason why we, as ambassadors of Christ, as those who have been called to, to share this message, should live this out because of the reconciliation that God desires to have with man. And we know because of sin, because of Adam and Eve and their decision to be disobedient to God, uh, sin entered the world. And because of that, we are born sinners. And the Bible says that we need to be reconciled with God. Now, once God reconciled Paul to himself, Paul's life purpose would be telling others about this message of reconciliation. In Christ, God is not counting people's sins against them. God made the sinless Jesus to be sin in order to declare all who trust in him righteous people rather than sinful people. That's why we pray for the unreached and the unengaged. As a church, I've been serving with Wescobarish Church for now seven years. For the last four years that I've been over missions, we have had the opportunity as a church to send out one to three units a year. We have motivated people saying, God desires to call you. God desires to use you. And we're praying for more. We're praying for a movement because there are 3.4 billion people. All those people that you see on the map here on the screen, that, that area that is red, those are our populations where the many of those places where the gospel has not gone where there is no church planning movement that has started and that's why we pray and we 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 uh, challenge and we motivate people to be, be able to to make a step of faith and say God I want to be used by you in verse 19 the apostle Paul says entrusting to us the message of reconciliation the word message is logos in the Greek and we see here that it speaks about a communication where the mind finds expression, a word. This message has been committed to us. I love the translation and the message translation of this verse 19. It says, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We do not have our own message. We are called 
to pronounce our king's message. An ambassador cannot operate in silence. He must become the constant voice of his kingdom's message. Paul goes on to say, as though God were making his appeal through us. The word appear here is the word parakaleo in the Greek. And it talks about urging strongly, exhorting, encouraging, to beg. This is a clear calling of understanding that we might be the only representation of God's kingdom at my work, at my school, in my neighborhood, or even with my own family. We go out and we communicate the message of Christ's love with the authority conveyed by Christ himself under any, any circumstances. Why? Because of reconciliation. Now, I imagine that you, as, as we are doing the same, are watching the news of everything that is happening in Israel and in Gaza Strip. But for us, what is happening there is something very, very personal. I had the opportunity, you'll see his picture on the screen, uh, to meet a young man, his name is Masmut. Masmut was a Muslim. He taught the Quran, and he was sent to Brazil to teach the Quran and to gain more converts for Islam. And he then was sent to Buenos Aires. And it was there where he was practically doing the same thing, but for some reason, he just felt lonely, and he felt that his religion was not filling the void that he had within him. And so one night, one Saturday night, he walked um, uh, close to his hotel, uh, the streets of Buenos Aires, and happened to walk by a local church. Now, uh, uh, youth ministries gather in Argentina Saturday nights, not Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, but Saturday nights. And so he walked by a church. The, the name of the church was Evangelical Christian Church of Bethlehem. And so when he saw that title, he said, I was born in Bethlehem. Masmut is Palestinian. He says, I was born in Bethlehem. And so he walked into the church. Now, his eyes were just astonished because he saw a group of young people, about 40 to 45 students, that were happy and they were joyful. He could not believe it. He just sat in the back seat of, that, of the room they were in and began to observe everything that was going on. He says, when I heard them sing with so much joy and happiness, I couldn't believe it. He says, at one point as they were singing, I said, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. And so they, they opened their Bibles as the Bible study began and the leader began to teach the word of God. And he was amazed by the concentration of these students as they heard God's word. And so that night the leader saw him in the back, didn't know who he was. And he finished up the Bible study and he ran to Masmud. And in that back room for over five hours, this young leader shared the gospel with Masmud. He began from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and he said, the son of the promise was not Ishmael. The son of the promise was Isaac. And it was that night that Masmut came to Christ. He uh, believed in Jesus Christ. His life was transformed, and then they took him to our Bible college. Can you believe an ex-Muslim, right, teaching the Quran, all of a sudden shows up in our seminary. We couldn't believe it. Well, I had the opportunity of spending three years with him studying God's word. I was with Masmut when he received a letter from his family. We were in the gym and he was in tears where his family, as he shared about his conversion to Christ, established that he no longer existed for them, that he no longer could contact them. They didn't want anything to do with him. 
And he looked at me and he, he showed me the letter and he said, David, this is what it means to live a life of Christ. Now I'm uh, texting back and forth with Masmud. Masmud, uh, since being in the college and, and studying God's word, his desire was to go back to the, the Gaza Strip and to reach people with the gospel. And that's what he's done for over 25 years. He has been imprisoned. He has been thrown to the, to the dogs. He has been sent to, to the desert to die. And God miraculously has, has just saved him. He's still alive. And he is in the Gaza Strip today. God, through his ministry, has planted 16 house churches in the Gaza Strip. There are about 100 believers in the Gaza Strip today. But sadly, what they're going through is difficult. Of that 100 believers, of those 100 believers, 11 have already died because of the war. 26 family members of those 100 believers have passed away as well. And he texts me, and he, he sends me voice texts, and he says, David, listen, pray for us. But I love what he said because, David, we don't understand what's going on, but we know God has us here. And please pray that we can be faithful and continuing to shed the love of Christ, show the love of Christ, and proclaim the love of Christ in the middle of this war. We don't understand. But may we be faithful and be an ambassador for Christ. That's what it's all about. And friends, this is what God desires of us and is asking us as a church to know that there's still many people around us that need to be reconciled with Christ. And Paul says we are called, those who have been born again, those who have uh, been made a new creation to do what God has called us to do, is to go out and make a difference. Now, to finish this morning, what we find here is another reason why we should be faithful with this ambassadorial duty of taking the gospel to those around us, but also to those who have never heard. Not only because it's the only worthy response, not only because of the reason and the importance of reconciliation, but also because of the great resolve that gives us the privilege in the first place. Listen, as we read verse 21, we find that there are no clearer verse that establishes the doctrine of substitution atonement than verse 21. According to scripture, God's righteousness demands someone to pay for sin. The question is, will I pay? Now, if I pay for my sin, the Bible says I will pay in a place called hell. But if I place my trust in the one who voluntarily took my place on the cross, the Bible says my sins are forgiven and his righteousness is granted to me. Christ's death was not simply a declaration against evil or a demonstration of love, but a payment that satisfied God's demand. Jesus was made sin for us, the passage says. Jesus was treated as he committed every sin that was ever committed, even though he never sinned, receiving the full force of God's wrath upon him so that he could treat you and I like Jesus. So as you think about the resolve that was done through the sacrifice of Christ, this should move us. As we wake up in the morning, it should move us to understand and to, and to ponder on the fact that if it wasn't for Christ, I would not be here. I would not have this righteousness that was given to me simply because of grace. This area of the city takes us back and reminds us a lot about our own life. Um, almost six years ago, my son Alex was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is a bone cancer. He was 11 years old. You talk about the worst scenario you might go through, 
Well, that was ours. To see a young boy, 11 years old, having to go through 18 chemo treatments. That's why we came all the time to Uptown, Uptown Charlotte, right? We go, we go to Levine Children's Hospital. He went through 18 chemo treatments, had a full upper tibia and knee replacement. He's doing great. He's in remission. He's 17 years old. He's actually finishing high school. His plan is to go to Bible school in July of next year and then come back and be a physician, Lord willing. He wants to study medicine. But as a family, we went through a time of difficulty. But God had prepared the heart of my son. I love my son to death, not only because he is my son, but because he is a child of God. And because he loves God, he desires to be obedient to God. And God had prepared his heart. We, we, we would watch uh, the Bible Project a lot. And I remember we were watching the life of Jeremiah. And when the video finished, he looked at me and he said, he said, Dad, why did these men suffer so much? If they were doing what God had told them to do, they were sharing God's message. Why did he suffer so much? And I said, Alex, listen, following Christ is not easy. Following, being obedient to Christ is not simple. Sharing the gospel is not easy. And God many times uses difficulties in our lives because what he's doing is raising up a platform so that his name could be known. Four months after that, we found out that he had cancer. And so I remember the night that we found out, we sat together and I said, this is our platform. The day we found out about his diagnosis, we walked out of the doctor's office and my son looked at me and he said, Dad, Jeremiah. My son Alice was chosen patient of the year at Levine Children's Hospital, the year that he was treated there. And he was interviewed. And so the interviewer was asking many questions. And uh, one of the questions was, uh, Alex, where do you get your spirit from? And Alex had uh, a characteristic that was, that was known in the hospital because he always, first of all, had a smile on his face, always smiling. And then secondly, he would always say thank you to everyone that was helping all his, his, his care team would, would know that Alex was going to be thankful. And so the, the interviewer said, Alex, where do you get your spirit from? Where, where, where do you get the, 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 the easiness of smiling all the time and asking, uh, you know, or telling people that you're thankful? And so my son at 11 years old looked at him and he said, oh, it's very easy. He says, I think about Jesus. I think about what he had to go through. He said, you see, what I'm going through will never compare, never compare to what Jesus went through on that cross. How he died for my sin and how he was treated unjustly for me. After that interview, the interviewer came up and said, how old is your son? He's 11 years old. But see, Alex understood that at that moment, God had called him to be an ambassador to Christ. And Christ was glorified. Until this day, our desire is that God may use the difficulty that he allows to come to our lives so his name can be known. Before that, I must be driven by the love that was given to me. As you think about your circle of influence, as you think about your coworkers and your family, your neighbors, are you fulfilling the duties of an ambassador? To those around you. May God speak to us this morning and move us to be faithful in what he has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you because you are a good God. 
Lord, as we think about what you did for us on the cross, we are humbled because we don't deserve everything that you've given us. But Lord, as you stood before Peter, before that fire and before the men around him, you asked us the same question this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, we ask you to forgive us this morning. Because many of us in this room have known you for many years. We know that we have been given your righteousness without even deserving it, but because we have trusted in you and the work that you did for us, you have given us your forgiveness. Maybe this morning, Lord, we need to ask for forgiveness because we are not fulfilling these ambassadorial duties that you've called us to fulfill. Lord, allow us to respond with the only worthy response of those who have been made a new creation in Christ. And we go out. Lord, thinking about the only reason why simply seeing others being reconciled to you should move us to be faithful in sharing the truth of the gospel to others. But mostly because of the resolve that you did in our behalf. And how we as dead sinners, as blind, as sick, there was no way that we could have relationship with you there was no way that we could just enjoy everything you give us. If not, Jesus coming, the perfect one, taking our place on the cross, dying, burying our sin, and dying, being buried, and three days later, rising from the dead. Lord, allow us to speak this message clearly to those who are around us. I ask you to bless this church. Pray for Pastor Darren and the, the group of elders. Lord, I pray that you continue to, to bless their members and that, Lord, together may they make an impact here in Uptown Charlotte and the world. We lay our lives before you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing.